7.5 out of 10 people in their lives have had loss, trauma, or betrayal. And if people don't transform that damage, they end up transmitting it. A lot of these people become leaders of organizations. They start thinking money is the solution and buying things that is the solution, which it is not. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf. Welcome back, Googleization Nation. Obviously, I'm not Ira Wolf. I'm Jason Cochran, Ira's co-host. Thank you for tuning in. Ira is on some business and hopefully having a little bit of fun also out in Arizona with his wife, taking care of, of some clients out there. And hopefully uh, we'll have him back next week or the following week. But I know his calendar is really booked with a lot of speaking engagements with the expertise that he brings, especially with recruiting and candidate experiences. So Ira, I know you're probably listening out there. We miss you, my friend, and we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Well, folks, we have a very special topic and guest for today's show. We're gonna discuss the importance of dreams at work with Chief Dream Officer Jonathan Dunn at the Dream Leader Institute. We're gonna have him on in just a few minutes to describe exactly what that is. But let's take a moment to set the table as to why dreaming is important now more than ever when it comes to work. Consider this, dreaming is something that's inside all of us, right? Whether it's in our childhood, in our adolescent years, adulthood, and then retirement years. Those dreams change and adapt over time, but it's something that we're hardwired to need and do throughout our lives. When I was a kid, my dream was to be a truck driver, believe it or not. <laughs> when I look back on it now, that might seem silly to me as a four-year-old boy, but those were my dreams growing up in rural Indiana. That was what excited me and that was my passion in terms of the toys that I played with as a kid. But let's get real for a moment. The last year and a half in particular have been really hard for a lot of us. Am I right? Just this week, two large employers have seen their employees poised to go on strike at any moment. John Deere and the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees now, I know that second one is a mouthful, but here's what you need to know that that influences. Motion pictures, TV producers, and studios. So yes, if things don't get worked out there, it could affect TV shows, movies, a lot of entertainment that you enjoy watching. And then listen to some of these data that are coming out right now in regard to what we're dealing with in the, in the marketplace and business. The record 4.3 million employees quit their jobs in August. 90% of employees would give up a portion of their pay for meaning and purpose in the work that they do. 89% of people have experienced burnout symptoms from work over the last year. 74% of job candidates want a job where they feel like their work matters. 40% of employees are likely to leave their current employer in the next three months. 
even if they don't have a new job offer in hand. And then toxic work also is impacting our personal lives and our health. A few more stats for you here. 300% increase in clinical anxiety related to toxic work. 13% increase in substance abuse. 20% increase in domestic violence. An increased risk for heart disease and depression. And then listen to this. You'll probably shake your heads at this one. Toxic work, bad bosses, can also induce epigenetic changes in our DNA. It's almost like turning a light switch on or off in our DNA for certain changes or mutations. And don't even get me started on employee engagement. It's barely budged beyond 33%, despite 30 years of research and implementation. Folks, we have a lot of people that are rejecting a system that works for the very few. And the reality is that most of us are going to spend about of our third of our lives working. The other third we spend is sleeping. And then everything else we do for the most part is, is the other third. So here's a question for you as we get ready to talk to Jonathan soon. Why should we let a third of our life be miserable or drain us, crush our dreams, or even adversely affect our physical and mental health? If we're honest with ourselves, life is simply too short to sacrifice a third of it doing work that doesn't bring us joy and help us fulfill our dreams. So where does that leave us? The good and exciting news is that this is a very treatable and preventable thing. When you leverage the help of experts in the field of purpose and meaning, like our awesome guest today, Jonathan Dunn of the Dream Leader Institute. So without further ado, let's bring on Jonathan and let's get this party started. Thank you so much, Jason, for having me, my dear friend. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Jonathan. It is so good to see you. I feel like this next 45 minutes is going to go by really quickly. Let's, let's start here. Tell us a little bit about you and why you're so passionate about this subject of meaning, purpose, dreams, and where work fits in our lives? Hey, it's a, it's a great question. And the fact of the matter is, you've heard me say this statistic before, 7.5 out of 10 people in their lives have had loss, trauma, or betrayal. And if people don't transform that damage, they end up transmitting it. A lot of these people become leaders of organizations. They start, you know, thinking money is the solution and buying things that is the solution, which it is not. But I had my quantum shift moment in 2008 when the economy was crashing. Scary times like we're in right now and had worked a 17-hour shift on my own birthday, 9-11, and came home to a plate of warmed over food and a handwritten card from my daughter who was, you know, she was nine years old at the time. And on the handwritten card, she had drawn a little picture of things she knew I loved and also had given me the title of world's greatest dad. And I went, ugh. I mean, it was a nauseating moment, but it was the moment of my liberation because my dream became to be the greatest dad in the world, which really equated to nothing more complicated then reaching my own full potential as a human being. That became my dream. That became the dream that made me challenge the assumptions that I have about myself and who I could become. And not only did it save my company, it made my company thrive without ever talking to a business guru. So that when I decided to start my own coaching company, I simply had to help people 
figure out what their birthday card was that called them the greatest dad in the world metaphorically and became very apparent of the statistical data that I shared. 75, 77.5 out of 10, loss, trauma, betrayal, primary. And I knew that any workplace culture never is going to get fixed until that root problem starts getting addressed. And in case anybody hasn't realized, that snowball is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It absolutely is. I mean, the the statistics, you know, it just described at the top of the show of what's going on. And it's affecting every part of life, right? It's affecting us personally. It's affecting our, our relationships outside of work. And folks are leaving in flocks. Part of it, you know, is they're leaving bad bosses, they're leaving bad companies. But as one business coach told me here in Indianapolis, there's a lot of folks that are leaving decent companies too. And the reason they're leaving is because it's almost like they're feeling like this calling in life, right? Like I want to be part of something bigger, something better, something that's tied to the the legacy, the impact that I want to have in this world. And I think it's a really neat time. I think for employers, it's a really gut-wrenching time to think about not only losing people that are dissatisfied possibly with their job, but that you might also lose some folks that are just like, eh, you know, it doesn't feel like the work I do here really makes me feel fulfilled or aligns with my dreams and the things that I want to do with my life. For for those employers, let's focus on those, the ones that have people that are lukewarm to what they're doing. What would you you say to them that they can do as leaders to try and help transform their organization to bring about more meaning and purpose for those folks? Well, I I took down two little notes there that I I have to reference before answering that question, because with the Dream Leader Institute, we do a lot of work with psychotherapists because there are certain things that are out of our lane. And and why is there 78% of the population disengaged at work, dissatisfied at work, why, why is that? What, what is at the root of all that? And once again, the answer is the trauma, but the trauma brings on the idea of the existential question. Do I deserve to love what I do every day? Do I deserve to go home and love everyone that's there? And the harsh reality is most people would answer negative to that. They may answer yes, but the actions are something different. I love to see what I'm seeing right now with people taking a chance on themselves and going out. I will be curious though, to see what this looks like a year from now, two years from now, because what I also know is every human being has 20,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. Some think it's an even bigger number than that. And Unless there is a massive disruption in the thought process, most everyone always returns back to the set point. So we'll see what happens. I like seeing what I'm seeing, but we'll see what the long-term results are. And then the second point when you were talking was that ambition to meaning. And people kind of find themselves in the morning of life. And for a lot of people, I know myself included, It was a, I had an aspiration for a successful life, which at one time I was one of those people. I thought it meant house size, car, et cetera, et cetera. I realized none of those things create any level of happiness. 
And when you get into the evening of your life, hopefully we are seeing that shift now where it is an ambition to meaning because that is obviously where the real happiness comes from. But if I could give a little bit of advice out. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's hard to narrow that down, but there's one drill that I, I do when I go into a company where they wanna break, bring, bring the engagement up. And I, I just ask the simple question in the room, where's everyone at on a scale of one to 10 with their job satisfaction? And, you know, people give the, the varying numbers, you know, a three, a five, a six, a seven, a two, 10. Of course, we ask them, is there another time in your life? It could have been higher than that. But then we ask this really simple, amazing question. What would a 10 out of 10 look like? <laughs> and I tell, I tell you, Jason, most people don't have a clue. Most people do not even have a clue what a 10 out of 10 would look like. And then they are led by a leader who doesn't have a clue what a 10 out of 10 in their own life looks like. So then you've got a leader who doesn't know what a 10 out of 10 looks like, leading a person who's got a three out of 10 who doesn't know what a 10 out of 10 looks like. And like my old computer science teacher told me back in the day, if you put garbage in, you get garbage out. The garbage we're seeing right now, 78% disengagement rate, people leaving jobs in droves. And I tell every business I go into, I say, look, at the end of the day, you got to really ask yourself, do you believe there's a purpose to your life? Most people answer affirmative to that. I've had one guy who didn't. I was very respectful of him. And I say, does that mean you believe there's a purpose to everyone else's life? I absolutely do. And I go, well, you got to ask yourself, do you think what you're asking them to do is it? I had a guy recently, huge company. I hope they don't all figure it out at once. That it wasn't. <laughs> and I said, instead of having that mindset, let's help them figure out what a 10 out of 10 is. Let's help them figure out what their purpose is. They'll be great team members. And if they leave, we have to get to a place in society where we want the best for everyone. And if we don't want the best for everyone, we are part of the problem. I told a guy about two months ago, you need to sell your company. Why? I didn't pay you for that advice. I go, well, you do. You don't care about people. And you don't care about people, sell your company and get out and go do something with your life where you don't have to care about people, but don't be part of the problem and then complain about it. That's so powerful, Jonathan, and, and such good advice. You know, I, I can speak also, I've had a lot of people close to me in my life. I watched them and they just go through the motions, right? You wake up every day, rinse and repeat, you do your job. And there was this idea of you just do it because it's the stable thing to do. And then you know, the leprechaun and the pot of gold is at the end, you know, once you get to retirement and then all of a sudden everything's supposed to be magical and wonderful. And I've seen a lot of people I love and am close with, including some family members of watching the drain of the day to day of doing a job that really wasn't something as, as much they were passionate about or they dealt with some rough bosses or the company itself was very transactional and not relational mm -hmm. and the toll that it takes the toll that it takes on a person mentally, their physical health, that by the time you get to what you thought was that promise of the leprechaun and the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, when you go off into retirement land, it almost looks like an illusion because by that point you're tired. You may have, because of, of work-induced stress and chronic stress, maybe now you're dealing with some mental health and physical health things 
that were caused by or exacerbated by work that wasn't meaningful to you or working for a company or working for a person that made you feel terrible every day, but you kept drudging your way through it because you almost bought, you know, into the lie yourself of, you know, this is what I have to do to provide for others. Well, you can't provide for others unless you take care of yourself first. And that's one of the things as a psychologist, I think that my eyes were really opened up to in my training was, you know, it's not selfish to want the best for yourself and to try and make sure that, you know, your bucket is being filled because you can't fill other people's buckets and do what you were called to do and lift up other people. If you're just on zero on, on the meter every day. And so many people are feeling beat up by their job. So a segue, you know, from that, you touched on this a little bit, where do dreams fit into this? Where does work and where do dreams fit into this context of how do we help people get out of this mess? How do we help leaders and organizations help them figure it out and feel better about the work they're doing? Well, I've got a great little story to share, if that's okay, that really kind of highlights the idea of the power of dreaming. True story here. There was a young man, junior in high school, and he had been abandoned by his father at a very, very early age. And due to his father abandoning, abandoning him, he grew up feeling really worthless. And he started living from the perspective of worthlessness getting suspended from school, smoking, drinking, getting in fights. Well, he had a beloved mother. And one day, junior in high school, he came home and his mother pleaded with him to please make something of his life. And of course, he felt bad he hurt his mother. And he says, what do you want me to do? And she says, please go, go to college. You know, you got to make something of yourself. This story's back from the 70s. And uh, was a colleague of mine. And he said, Mom, I'll make something of myself. I'll, I'll go to college. In fact, they're giving the SAT in a few weeks. You have to have that to get to college. I'll take the SAT examination so that I can qualify for college. Now, if there's any ACT people out there or people who are in foreign countries, a perfect score on the SAT is 1,600, 800 math, 800 verbal. Well, he kept his word, took the test comes home from school a few weeks later. His mother is livid and accusing him of being a cheater. And he said, Mom, I did not cheat on this test. There was a proctor administered it. I, it was a Scantron. I, would, I couldn't cheat on the test. Why do you think I cheated? She hands him the letter. Well, it turns out this young man who had thought he was worthless had gotten a 1480 on the SAT. So less than one one-hundredth of 1% gets a 1,480 on the SAT. So fortunately, this young man, he asked himself this question we all need to ask ourselves. It's a question I ask teams when I go into work with them. How would somebody behave who got a 1,480? Starts going to class, listening to his teachers, studying, going to bed at a decent time, turning off his old life, weeding the garden, shutting down his old behaviors, graduates high school, goes off to college, starts a great company. His own story is involved in his dealings with his team, hires hundreds of people, makes millions of dollars, creates tons and tons of wins. He gets married, has kids, comes home from work several years later, wife waiting for him at the kitchen table to eat. She says, honey, you got a 
got a letter from the SAT people. You took that test a long time ago. Why do you think they sent you? Well, it turns out they were conducting audits. He opens the thing up, flips his letter. Turns out he only got a 760. People all the time would ask him, man, your life really changed when you got that 1480. He says, no, my life changed when I started behaving like a human being that got a 1480. So I go into businesses and I find out, hey, what's your 1480? And they tell me, we got a strat plan and this, here's our 1480. How do we get there? Teach us, coach. And I say, well, here's the way to do it, people. We find out what every team member's 1480 is in their life. Something so big that they can put it at the center that connects them to the mothership. And then we explained to everyone who's willing to listen. You know this, Jason, your feelings are inaccurate. And most people do everything in their life based on their feelings, even though it's a very faulty operating system. But if I can find out what an org's 1480 is, find out what their team's 1480s are, and then do a series of drills to create an alignment with the behaviors, because behaviors, they don't ever lie. You know, We helped a car dealership break records without ever talking about sales one time. We helped a mortgage company grow like 90 million by just finding out what their team's 1480 was. And it's, you know, it's honest to God, it's that simple. But one of the huge addictions in the world is I've got this great intellectual mind and it certainly has to be more complicated than that. And I say now, what's complicated is your addiction to complication because it really is that simple. And if you don't know what your team's 1480 is, retire and quit because you're part of the worldwide problem. Behavior. Wow, never- there's so much there, Jonathan. That I mean, that's so powerful and it's so true. And and the, the big theme there, that 1480s, is, is so grounded in psychology to self fulfilling prophecy, right? In the Pygmalion mm-hmm. effect. And I saw this so much, even with young kids in school is they would often live up to the expectations that the teacher had for them. If a teacher thought that that kid wasn't very good at math, how did they perform in math? Not very well, because you know what? My teacher doesn't think I'm good at it. I'm probably not very good at it. And it just shows how insidious the head trash can be that gets into our our inner dialogue. And so even though what you're talking about, I'm sure there might be a lot of leaders or listeners today saying, you know what? This sounds really simple. That's the whole point that you're saying is sometimes we get so caught up in the complexity and think that we, like you put it, we've got to have this strategy. We've got to run these assessments. And it's like, we're pretty basic in terms of our needs of what we need, you know, and and when it comes to, to doing a good job, everyone wants to do well. Nobody wants to do poorly and feel terrible about the work that they're doing. But the problem is, there are so many expectations. There's too much complexity and ambiguity. You got to get down to working on the coaching with people, help them connect their dreams and their reality when they're unaware of it, make it real, define mm-hmm. it. What is that? What does the 1480, as you put it, look right. like for them? And then you got to start connecting the dots of this is how the work you do plays a part in that. And I love that. I mean, for all of us, when we think about our identity, Work is a big part of that. Now, we're not here to debate whether or not that's a healthy thing or an unhealthy thing. It's just a reality. For a lot of us, when we're at cocktail parties 
and that, you know, we're having a conversation, we're meeting new people. One of the first things that comes up is after your name, this is where I live and this is what I do. Uh, and so it has a certain, you know, weight to it in terms of how we identify ourselves and what we're doing. And so I hope our listeners really hung on to the words that you shared right there, you know, the 1480 and connecting those pieces. What are the, the things, let's flip gears here real quick. What are some of the things that you've come across in your work of things that haven't gone right when it comes to helping people connect? Have there been some big no-nos, as I'll put it, that we should put out there for leaders and listeners of the show that might look like snake oil or just are bad practices that don't help with this kind of stuff? Well, you know, first off, I do agree with that idea. You know, part of the culture of every organization needs to be a culture of overbelief. And we, we have a very scalable system with proven results. And I tell everyone who's willing to listen, the only way this doesn't work is as if you're not consistent with it. Or, or there was a, uh, you know, it's like a baby comes into the world and it's been in the womb for nine months and the parents go, hey, thanks, I got it from here. <laughs> that that happens at times. That happens at times too, you know. And and like I say, you're familiar with Nick Saban. Nick Saban, Jason. Yeah, he was hired by Alabama to win championships. He realized every player he brought was filled with tons and tons of potential. But he also realized what I said: seven point five out of ten of them bring lots and lots of baggage. And Saban knew he wasn't winning five titles in the first eight years if he didn't have somebody on staff who handled all of the baggage that people inevitably bring to work. And the great organizations, they're going to realize that. They can either be the ostrich and stick their head in the sand, or they can realize people bring baggage. They're not bad people. They're our brothers and sisters. And why not have somebody on staff that handles that aspect of it so I can actually grow my business and do what I came to start doing and I'm not constantly in the mud. But there have been a few leaders who they don't understand that idea of 10,000 hours to mastery. And they're like, oh, I got it from here. <laughs> but if it took someone 30 years to become the way that they're going to be, it's, it's going to take a little bit of time to undo that. That's so true. Hey, Jonathan, stick with us here. Uh, we're going to do a quick one-minute commercial break, and then we'll come back. We're going to dig into some more specifics of the Dream Leader Institute and your mm -hmm. program and offerings, just to let everybody know how they can get out of some of these challenges that are currently going on. So let's take a quick commercial break, Roxy, and then we'll be back with you in just a minute, Jonathan. A lot of you might be feeling like you're standing in deep shift, but do you know what grows and rises out of deep shift? Opportunity. To successfully navigate the shift to the new normal, each of us must learn to rapidly adapt to the speed of change. Some of us are hardwired for this. Others, not so much. That's where Success Performance Solutions can help. Success Performance Solutions is now your AQ headquarters. Whether you are personally struggling with the next chapter in your career or wondering how ready your team is for fast, disruptive change, our AQ assessment and coaching will provide you a detailed, scientifically-backed roadmap to guide you into the new normal. Optimize your adaptability today. Contact Success Performance Solutions about evaluating your team's change readiness or joining our upcoming AQ Masterclass. 
Visit SuccessPerformanceSolutions.com or call us at 800-803-4303. And we're back. Thanks for hanging with us, Googleization Nation. We've got about another uh, 15 minutes or so here with Jonathan. We're going to dig into his program here shortly. You know, just to tie into what you shared before the break there, Jonathan, you talked about Nick Saban and what an incredible coach he is. And a lot of times in the work that I do when I'm trying to help coach organizations in terms of the type of employee experiences that need to be done, to tie into what you were sharing, I often say, you know, we need to get practical. We don't need to get surgical first. Got to get really great at the fundamentals. Like the fundamental things that people need are probably quite different from what a lot of leaders think. You know, they need autonomy, flexibility. They need good feedback loops. They need plenty of recognition and praise for the effort of what they're putting into the job, so on and so forth. And, and oftentimes a coach I bring up is John Wooden. And for those who may not be familiar with John Wooden, the great Purdue basketball player, UCLA coaching legend, he's famous in part, not only because of all his championships, but he would have his players practice putting their socks on first before they were allowed to even go out on the basketball court and practice the other stuff you think of that has to do with basketball, passing, dribbling, shooting, and things like that. It was all about the fundamentals to him. In that vein, let's now dovetail directly into the Dream Leader Institute, and let's talk about the work that you do. What are those fundamentals, those things that you're doing with organizations that's getting those incredible results to get the train back on the right track? Well, I think you've seen, you know, I know nobody can see there, but we built a whole curriculum that businesses follow. And on our very first module, it's the quote by John Wooden, we will begin by learning how to tie our shoes. Brilliant. (laughs) I feel like it's a moment of destiny right now. Well, you know, once again, you know, we do keynote speaking, we do rah-rah team building things, but you know, our real sweet spot is being that part of the organization, though, that people bring their stuff to so that the leaders can focus in on what the leaders are meant to focus in on. And so the owners can focus in on what the owners focus in on. But very simply, the first part of our process is to figure out what somebody's 1480 slash their dream. That's it. We got to find that out first. And sometimes, you know, it takes a little while. And then once we have found that out, you know, think back to the story of the young man. How would somebody behave that got a 1480? So then the next part of our process is to, I really just ask the question. I say, hey, imagine you've accomplished all your 1480s and you've helped a bunch of other people accomplish their 1480s and you're living a life of meaning. What are they going to say about that person at their funeral? And I have them begin to jot down those ideas, also known as the eulogy. Look, there's my eulogy right there. I read it every single solitary morning. And that is my roadmap for how I need to show up for the day. And by the way, if you noticed, I never told people what their 1480 is, and I never told them what their eulogy is, because the best things in life, great leadership, it's invitational. The truly great leaders of this world are nothing but teachers. They don't seek control. They don't seek power. All they want to do is teach. So then we begin that exploration of of who are you meant to be? 
and then through the remainder of the curriculum, and we've got several years worth, there are common roadblocks and hurdles, but all of the curriculum addresses those walls in people's lives coming down so that bridges can be built. And we always begin a process as well, and it takes, takes a while, of actually answering the question of why you are here. Because the number one cause of disengagement in businesses, and this was peer-reviewed by the Harvard Business Journal, is people don't feel connected to the job. So we, we know rather quickly, although this is a process, we've got to get people connected to what they're doing. Kind of like you mentioned that in the previous segment. And we do that by having people write their own life's mission statement. But that's our process. We find out what someone's 1480 is. We find out what a business's 1480 is. And then we begin the process of exploring who we all need to become and how that affects communication and leadership and, and all of those things. And I mean, it's, it's really that simple. And, but I'm a big proponent of life's actually meant to be really simple. I'm a fan of Occam's Razor. The simple solution is usually the solution and doing everything invitationally and not forcefully. And once again, our, our results have been, they've been outstanding. That's incredible. And, and I think for our, our listeners today, Jonathan, this is so important because they're drowning and probably pulled a lot of different directions. And so for them to hear that there's help from experts who do this kind of work that's simple, yes, it's going to require commitment from them, but that they have a partner that gets results and in not only is this great for people, but yes, in the end, because it's great for people, it's also great for your customers. It's mm -hmm. great for your suppliers. It's great for your communities. Like really that, you know, that, uh, that concept of, you know, everybody is just multiplied and there's plurality, you know, the abundance concept really starts with these kind of programs that you offer that help people feel connected to the work that they're doing. And I, I just think this is tremendous for our listeners because I know I talk with a lot of business leaders who are like, well, when are we going to have time for that? That's often one of the objections that often comes up when you start talking about people strategy, or it'll be like, oh, this is just the touchy feely stuff, you know, the warm fuzzies. And, you know, what we often share with them is, you know, you can't get to the, the transactional pieces of business that you think are important until you address the relational pieces of business first, because people won't care about their job until they know that you care about them as a person and the work that they're doing. And so, you know, this is so helpful to know, you know, for our listeners that there are experts like the Dream Leader Institute, like you, Jonathan Dunn, that come in and you help them with this. They don't have to do it on their own. You've got the curriculum, you've got the program ready. It's plug and play. And so in that vein, how are some ways that they can reach out to you to have a discussion, to learn more about the work you do and the results that you get? Well, uh, I think Roxy has our website and anybody could absolutely reach out to me, Jonathan at dreamleaderinstitute.com. I love talking so much. And I, and I have a newsflash. Nobody believes this till they actually talk to me. I literally won't try to sell you. A single thing. It's all about a relationship. If something emerges from it, great. If it doesn't, great. It, it doesn't matter. To, it doesn't matter to me. But I, lo I love talking about this stuff. And it really is that simple. And just imagine, 
imagine having someone in your life who they have one agenda and one agenda for you and that's it. They want to help you win. Everybody needs that in their life. I'm a coach who I have a coach. And we all get blind spots because we see things from this perspective and we need people, extra sets of eyes, extra hearts, extra lungs to see things. So, oh, uh-oh, Roxy. I don't have an H in my name. Sorry. <laughs> you dropped the H. <laughs> like a bad habit. It's created lots of confusion in my life. There you go. But I really do. I love talking to people. I love sharing ideas. And the team and I as well at DLI, when we built our curriculum, we felt very, we, we initially do this drill called an awakening when we go into a business. That's code for finding out the 1480. And the team and I, we do one of those the first Friday of every month from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, it's all about a movement for us and uh, multiplying our gifts. And uh, there's been people who have been on every single awakening since, you know, day one. And uh, we never try to sell them anything. And a bunch of people have become our clients. It's all good either way. We are independent of outcome. That's incredible, Jonathan. So just to reiterate that, you're saying the first Friday of every month, you're doing an exercise called the awakening drill that's mm -hmm. open to anyone. Anyone can join, whether you're a leader, whether you're a frontline employee, whether you're unemployed, doesn't matter. Folks can sign up for this. Can they sign up through the website that we just had up or what's the easiest way for them to reserve a spot? Well, you can, you can email me and we've pretty much, we're not on any social media besides LinkedIn. We're a fan of LinkedIn and we've been doing all the signups through there. There's plenty of people though, who aren't on LinkedIn, who they know somebody who's coming. And if you just reach out to me, I will send you the link. I will not add you to an email list. I will not bombard you with any robo calls. I mean, this is, this is pure as it gets. That's awesome, Jonathan. And so as we, as we start to wrap up here, I want to give you the floor, you know, to, to share with our listeners today, um, what are some final words of wisdom, final advice, final calls to action that you would share with them at this moment in history? I mean, the number one thing is that you do deserve to live the life of your dreams. You do deserve to love what you go to work and give away a 30-year life to. You deserve to love going home. You do deserve, but you do have to understand if you're not where you want to be in life, you can't believe everything you think and that you are going to have to do something to disrupt your thought pattern and you're going to have to work at it day after day after day. And sometimes it's a tough journey. Sometimes it's a lonely journey because a lot of people are just comfortable in their numbness. And... Um, but it'll be the best journey you've ever gone on in your entire life. And it's what you're here for. Your only purpose on life is to become who you were created to be. That's it. That's all there is. And if you're willing to go on that road, all of the plan will reveal itself to you. And it's better than anything you could ever imagine. That's incredible. Jonathan, just... I've always gotten the chance to chat with you over the last year or so since Mark Kumachek introduced the two of us. And every time I end with one of those conversations, I feel so much better and, and just feel energized. 
and I know your clients do as well. And I have no doubt our listeners today, you know, getting to, to have a little piece of you, hearing about your wisdom, your experiences, the changes that you bring to work to create those healthy business employee relationships to bring meaning and purpose to work. Thank you. Thank you for coming on today and sharing the work that you do, because this is more than just about widgets and throughput and business model. The things that you talked about today are existential and they're important. And I don't know why it has taken us so long to understand the impact that business has on our lives in so many different respects, but we're here. We're here in this moment now and leaders like you are the ones that are going to support leaders and businesses to help usher in the transformation that's got to take place when it comes to strategy. And hopefully, if nothing else, what our folks took away today is you're all about the simplicity. You're about the stuff that works and gets results. And that should be very appealing to a lot of folks leading the people and talent strategy in their organizations. Thank you for coming on, Jonathan. Would love to have you on again in the future. And, and hopefully when Ira will be back on the show as well, because I know he was bummed he was missing today. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Take care. And we're going to leave that banner up here for a few more minutes so folks can get in touch with you. Take care, my dear friend. Take care, my friend. And love to you all and hope you have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time. Wow. Powerful episode. Dreams. You know, hopefully what you heard from Jonathan is, you know, this is not just warm, fuzzy kind of stuff. This stuff is actual business strategy. It has to do with your people showing up, believing in the work that they're doing, believing in their team, believing in their role, believing in the organization, why it exists in order for them to give their best efforts in the world. And, you know, it's it's so exciting to see stakeholder capitalism, you know, starting to take off in terms of more leaders and organizations signing on that instead of just shareholder profits, what's more important is how you take care of your customers and your employees, you know, the kind of footprint that you're leaving in the world. It's really encouraging to see that that's the direction that we're headed. And certainly dream programs are a part of that. And so the Dream Leader Institute, I certainly encourage you to go check it out and to learn more information about that. But that is one key um, tactic and strategy that can be part of your plan. If you're struggling to get people to buy into work, to buy into the kind of things that they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Well, folks, we are coming up to the end of the show. As always, want to thank you for listening. The podcast will be out later this evening. Um, if you want to listen to the audio version, Ira will be back soon next week or, or two weeks away whenever he's done with some of his speaking engagements but it's been a pleasure being with you today and remember as ira always says be careful to not let the shift hit your plans take care and see you next wednesday 